Hey, I'm Bob Runkle, and for as long as I can remember, I've loved pop culture. Despite the challenges I've faced in my life, pop culture has always been there for me. I love talking to people and being a platform for others to share their thoughts stories. Because if there's one thing I never get tired of, it's being driven, talented, and inspiring individuals follow their dreams, no matter what obstacles are in their way. And I know a thing or two about that. Welcome to the DJ Bob Show. I'm DJ Bob. Roll it. From Pee Wee Herman and beyond. Our next guest, David Jordan, is here. And we talk about his career in props, gags, puppets, and more. Working for Nickelodeon Studios Orlando. The power of children's television. And so much more. This is a beautiful chat. And I can't wait for you to hear it. So I'm going to stop talking. Here it comes. Enjoy. So, for those that don't know you, could you kind of give a little bit of an elevator pitch of who you are and what you've done and how you got there? Oh, gosh. Well, Bob, first of all, thanks for having me here. You got um, it. Uh, well, I'm, uh, my name's... David Jordan Jr., uh, son of David Jordan Sr., southern, southern-born, raised down in the swamps of Florida, took off and went to, to art school, uh, took up art school, went out to Hollywood, chasing the dreams, I guess, wanted to be creative, wanted to be an artist who had a, a voice and impact. Uh, Got lucky, I think. Well, I know I got blessed to get on some cool things early on. I got got in with the the Pee Wee bunch, and oh, uh, my, you know, my 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 degree in college. I I did some work with uh, costume design, and and then that led me into props and puppetry and gags and stuff like that. So when I got out to LA, I got lucky to get in with the the peewee thing uh, got to eventually be the coordinator for the peewee's playhouse in the puppet department. Uh, went on, uh, kind of have, you know, the best I could tacked my boat, my career boat towards uh, things that are child spirited. I've done a lot of, a lot of stuff with Nickelodeon and things over the years. So, uh, you know, uh, a little sawed-off, uh, nearsighted artist from the South trying to trying to touch hearts. And that's what you do. And one of the things I want to let people know is that your sort of mantra is all about peace and harmony and just love. And honestly, I feel like that's missing in our society because... 
everything and y'all go, 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 go. But you, you really try to exemplify that and that must rub off on people. It definitely rubbed off on me. Well, man, I appreciate you saying that. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, and, uh, and it's repeatable to, to just contemplate the word peace for me, you know, just to put that in a forefront of your mind. So, yeah. It, and boy, the way our society is speeding up, you know, just to take a moment and contemplate joy, peace, child spirit, those kind of concepts. So what is something about you and your job that you wish people knew? What's a common misconception that you get? I don't know how serious people take what I do sometimes, you know. I'm sure uh, that it comes off a little, I don't know, not as important sometimes, maybe. Yeah, because they think it's just, you know, just a fun prop, but there's involvement in making that prop and, and reading the script and making sure it works within the parameters of the show. Sure. It's a, you know, it's a super collaborative art, the form that I've kind of got myself into. So yeah, you're, you're going from, you know, trying to take a writer's vision and a producer's vision and bring something from just a concept into, to real life and uh, all within a budget, (laughs) stuff like that. Yeah. It's an interesting sort of complex game. So was Peewee's Playhouse kind of your first uh, rodeo as far as kids TV for that audience? Like, uh, y- y- Yes. I mean, I had uh, I had done some theater and things like that. And then, like I said, I hightailed it from Florida to L.A. And, uh, you know, I, I did various uh like i said i had some background in costumes and this and that and the other so i I worked you know in that arena for a while i did like a barry manilow special where i was mr manilow's personal dresser and i did some soap operas and things like that but then uh, yeah i got the break on peewee and that was the child spirit stuff and i'm like you know the bells went off for me and that what a great first show to kind of sink your teeth into the world of props and fun and whimsical stuff because that is basically the definition of that show. So what are your memories of working on that show? What was your day-to-day like? Tell me everything. Oh, gosh. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, it was an incredibly special thing and it's been hard to match it the rest of my career you know uh it was such a combination of of, you know uh smart uh comedy and smart art and uh all kind of you know wrapped in this child spirit uh uh you know philosophies so it was uh it was a super special thing 
for me on a on a day to day basis, I, again, I was such a young guy and what have you, and and I found my well, and just I mean, <clears throat> just so you know, I'm only five foot four in height, so I'm I'm not a huge being, and uh, there I found myself in the middle of all that, you know, super mind-bending colors and you know styles and what have you amongst all these sort of powerful people uh i was pretty wide-eyed a lot of the time uh uh, i you know i had to to you know get our scripts and break down the 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 gags and I, i don't know if anybody's contemplated puppetry but you know it's easy to write that the puppet goes across the room and picks up the, you know, the, the apple. But when it comes to doing it as a puppet performer, you have to sort of figure out all those steps, how to make that gag happen. So it was always, uh, you know, a, a real set of challenges that me and our team had to go through, uh, also, there were less puppeteers than there were puppets, so there was a real juggle of, you know, coordinating which puppeteer goes in the more important spot and who goes back in the back. And, you know, a lot of different considerations. And what a lot of people don't know is that the the film Pee Wee's Big Adventure came first, and yeah. yeah. Were you exposed to that or even the HBO special? What was your first exposure to Pee Wee and Paul's work? And when you finally got to work with them, what was that like for you? Well, I, I mean, my first exposure was uh, being a young, you know, fine arts major uh, in college and, and uh, seeing that HBO special go off. And it's like, wow, what is this? Yeah, and he, he he had us going for so long about like there was just enough of a reality it, to it. It's so like, it's so funny. I was watching it. Sorry to interrupt, but I was watching no. it and I was like, it's an hour. That's an hour special, but it's such a jam packed hour that it oh, doesn't yeah. even, that it doesn't even feel like it's that running time. It's crazy. All right. be able to do. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, just during that era, I you know, I I, I kind of reflect. It's like wow, the kind of uh, new wave and the punk movement were were happening a lot, and you know, it was still a time where you thought, oh man, you got to go hit the big times of you know the New York art scene or the L.A scene and what have you and uh you know paul paul and wayne white and all those guys uh gary panter rick heitzman the designers on those shows they were pushing that kind of uh i mean you know mtv was just coming out it was uh it was a real artful time man. i and i think peewee definitely formed and formed my comedic sensibilities and that whole 
idea of it's okay to be different really stuck with me. Amen, brother. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that that you know, that's his that you know, that was one of his big mantras and I I agree and it felt like a good message to to be helping send out. I was glad of that. And you know, to think of it that like so many people have tried to emulate that style and sort of be that person. And I don't want to say nobody's really topped it, but there's always a sprinkle of peewee and all these types of things in everything that we've seen in that arena. Think, I mean, even Nickelodeon, that whole thing about Nick is Kig and Kig being Kig and be, knowing that it was okay to scream real loud and get messy and all that fun stuff. That really, Pee-wee was probably, I don't want to speak for everybody, but it was kind of the catalyst for all that. I, I, I agree. I mean, it, uh, that, I mean, when you think about it, it was the very end of that sort of Saturday morning kind of kids thing. And that was, you know, it was a real, you know, it really had the, had the market there for a while. And then, yeah, it, it all began to transition to what is this thing you call cable? And the next thing you know, yeah, you've got a whole kids network. And yeah, I mean, I would say he catalyzed a lot of that thinking. Now, shortly after Pee Wee Raps, was that when Nickelodeon Studios came calling, or was it in conjunction with Pee Wee? Uh, you know what? I uh, I went on to to do some some other things out there. I mean, there was a there was a an attempt with a show uh, I got to do. It was called Riders in the Sky. It was some of the Pee Wee creatives, but they and they wrapped it around this uh, country and Western group called Riders in the Sky. I know who they are, yeah. Yeah, that was a, you know, that was a funky, fun attempt at something. But you know, again, I think it was trying to trying to, you know, wrap off of Paul's stuff. But how do you, you know, if you don't have Paul? <laughs> yeah. So there were some others, you know, attempt shows. Then I, you know, I, I actually went through some, some, uh, personal things and uh, moved back to Florida. And, uh, oddly enough, I, I, I was in Orlando and, uh, yeah, this, uh, this new thing called Nickelodeon's called, they, they were looking for some art people. And I got on that train. I love that. And what was the first show that you worked on? Because there were so many shows filming there at the time. Yeah. I got on the train around Family Double Dare. So I, 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 you know, I'm trying to think. There might have been something smaller before that, but I got on Family Double Dare. Well, they all pretty much started at the same time i would think 
Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I should really look back. There might have been something, but I think it was Family Double Dare was the the first real big series that I got to be a part of. I mean, working with Mark and mm-hmm. them, like the dream. Yeah, that was that was a funny time, he, he, you know, and he he really nailed it, you know, get you know getting in there and and managing the the, the run of those shows. I, I, it 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 had a fun other appeal. Uh, it it was pretty wacky. Yeah, something that's worth noting about Nickelodeon content at the time, especially mm-hmm. at the studio was that each show had its own skill set. Not only within style, but like, you're not going to get away with the stuff that you got away on Double Dare on, say, Clarissa explains it all. Like, that's not how that happens. So when you jumped into a show, the vibe is different. So what is it like adapting to that, but still implementing your own... Style. Nice question, Bob. Uh, I, you know what, I, I was then, and I, I still now. I, I just, I love the, the, yes is the answer kind of thing. It's like it may take a lot of guys and a lot of days, but yeah, the answer is yes. We can do this style. We can do this in challenge. So you know to. To go from one type of show to another, as an artist, I thought it was, it was just just a great challenge. Uh, a great that that's what I that's what you want to do as an artist, right? I, I don't, you know, God bless those artists who, you know, lock into a style and they have to paint the same kind of painting the rest of their career. I don't know. Now, can you kind of give a list? Um, shows at Nick Orlando that you worked on because it was kind of hard for me to narrow them down at the, off the top of your head. Yeah. Uh, okay. So there was Double Dare, and I think there was a couple of several of those. Uh, and then uh, there was, uh, um, I did some of the little sweet thing. I did Allegra's Window, which was a sweet little sweet little puppet show um then there was things like that um i got in on the all that train show and then keenan and kel came out of that and, and then we sort of moved back out to la which then i went on to do the amanda show for them and and of course all throughout there there's like different pilots and things like that we were trying out so what are you what are your memories of um you know, Keenan and Cal, because those guys are forces of nature. Right, I know. Isn't it incredible? Uh, you know what? I, look, I kind of just got a chill just thinking about it. You know, I can just remember, uh, you know, there was down in the Florida area, we had the 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 studios, and then, you know, it's like, like four big sound stages or so, and then they had like an overhang breezeway that kind of a attached between them. And I can just remember those, those young little souls, you know, getting dropped off in the mornings and, and what have you. And, and, uh, 
getting ready for for such a crazy challenging week that we had ahead of them i always i don't know they they were very sweet boys keenan and cal uh keenan always kind of quiet you know he's he's got a quiet side to him kel kel's very out, outgoing all the time super sweet both of them their moms i remember you know, their moms being so attentive to them, uh, really, really sweet souls. And, you know, they really started bubbling to the top early. And, and you're like, man, these kids are going to go someplace. And they have. I mean, I, I mean, and then, the, and then while they're doing all, all, all that and Keenan and Kel, they're doing, They've got their own feature film. They they they're doing Good Burger, which oh yeah, yeah, great. love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you you got in tight with uh, Heath and Kevin, and yeah, I love they, those guys so much. They've made so much happen there. Yeah, what a what a dynamic duo they are. Yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to think like the show. There are a bunch of um, pilots from Nick Orlando that never got made or that turned into animated properties. Do you know anything about those? Like There was one called Me and My Friends that turned into an animated series called The Backyard Again. It was like a preschool. Oh. Yeah, I, you know, I didn't have a piece of that one, but uh, Backyardigans, I did. I missed out that there, there was a connect between the two. Huh. Backyardigans went on to do well, didn't it? Yeah, but I remember yeah. it was like a bunch of walk around characters. Mm-hmm. And it was a live action pilot, but then it turned into an animated series. It was kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's an interesting thing. And, you know, God bless. Uh, 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 animation is is a is an art form in of itself. Of course, I'm a I'm a guy who likes uh, real things. I like making things with my hands. So uh, they're not my competitors. They're they're a whole different thing. But but I, I've I've watched where you know animation has come out front on a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I just like there was so there was so much content being made there at the time. I mean, you had things like Slime Time Live and like Figure It Out, which we got beast within a shelf. Yeah, yeah. I did a little time there. I wasn't a regular on that, but yeah, yeah. But one of the sh- one of the shows I wanted to talk to you about specifically was Alleg- Allegra's Window. Oh yeah, I love Allegri Window so much, and it, it's such a special little show that kicks, that get kicks flowers every once in a while. It yeah, it's just about young kids just learning how to go through life, learning how to make friends, and doing it in such a tangible way for a young mind and I really valued it as a young kid. 
Yeah, that was a that was a special little one that was really uh, I was I, again I felt fortunate to have been part of it. It uh, you know it had a really super team uh, with a real sensitivity to you know sort of a sweet side of life. Uh, Marty Robbins and uh, Kathy Mullins and Pam are. St- uh, our Sierra uh, and Tim, some of the drivers, Tim, Tim Legash, Tim Legash uh, uh, um, Heather Ash, there a bunch of bunch of people who are you know the the puppet world's not too big, so they're jumping around from you know they they play in all the big arenas. But uh, Marty's design and and build on those puppets were very sweet. I thought I thought Kathy and them's uh, sensibility of performing and driving the show it was it was very sweet and you know they were you know they were playing with the this the understanding of music too which was a nice subject matter it's such a fun show because around that time especially at the studio you had things like goa goa island too like shooting around the same time yep that that you know that was the deal it was like uh we'd usually occupy at least two of the sound stages and sometimes three. And, uh, the art crews would kind of go one way or the other. So, you, you, you know, I was off doing something else while Gullah Gullah was going on. So uh, I hung out with the art guys that did it, but I, I didn't get to do much with that one, but it was sweet. That was a sweet show too. I, I thought the, the, uh, you know, the focus on the Gullah people and what have you, sweet. And, and and they are the kindest people. I've spoken to them on occasion. And they are just, they are just like the him on the screen. There's no filter. No. Yeah. And that's what we need, transparency for young minds and young audiences. Um, yeah. That's that's it. You know, Bob, can I ask a question? Sure. I mean, that's it, it, it's interesting to me as, you know, the adult artist. Uh, I, I'm interested in knowing how 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 it was to grow up on all that stuff. You know, it, it was. It was it was a really special time because. No show was the same. And, but at the same time, without something as simple as Sesame Street, Kig TV would not be the way that it is now with the educational content and the comedy and the music being mixing it all in. Sesame Street really pioneered that. Yeah, and, and everything, everything else kind of followed, but it was such a special thing because there were these moments of, you know, there were a lot of heart in these shows. There were a lot of real, not not heavy as in like dramatic moments, but just like heartwarming, real life stuff. Kids have problems. Kids laugh, kids have fun, and you're seeing that on screen. We 
you know what I, I I always wondered it, and I, I you know, I, I forgot to mention I I, I I sculpted Olmec for Legends of the Hidden Temple, and oh, then yeah, and then I I, I also uh, you know did all the did you know a bunch of stuff for uh, Wienerville. You know, had a great team. We all those guys are great. Yeah, so it it felt like. A lot of those shows, we were making these interesting worlds that you kids could kind of climb down into. Did it feel like that? It really did. And and especially for me, since my world, by default, yeah. was so limited. Right. With the disability aspect. I really zoned in on that more than the average viewer would. Right. And if, if, but if I hadn't watched this stuff, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. So, like, you're a big part of, you know, every everything I do now. All of you. That's, that's again, I get a little chill from you saying that stuff that's that's really sweet uh i'm i'm glad to hear that uh that's the kind of thing i think well this at least this little swamp rat artist wants to know is that we're touching hearts you know the other thing that's worth noting is that when you're creating this stuff you're in a vacuum you're literally in a vacuum and you don't get input from us I mean, you did with Ed Nick Orlando with the with the fishbowl and like seeing all the kids and that. Yeah. But one to one conversation like that, where we say, "Hey, I like this," you didn't get that. But all of you did such amazing work. It was it was a blessed time but it sure is nice to to hear that and and thank god for you know people like you and and some of your uh fellow podcasters that are that are spending the time uh exploring this thing because it it boy you're getting to say it to me now and i will carry that for a long time well that's that's really that's really my job because Otherwise, who else is going to tell you? Because yeah. what you guys did, there's nothing like it. The idea of live action content is so far and few between these days that when we when we look back at the stuff that I grew up with, and it's not like a get off my lawn, we had it better, but what Jerry Laybourne and the team were doing over there right, was electric. It was so electric because it was literally, it wasn't the blonde, the blonde hair, blue eyes approach that Disney had at the time. It was kids getting messy, kids fighting with their brother. I mean, right. the whole the whole thing with the whole thing with 
Ferguson and Clarissa, or even the idea of, like, Sam and Clarissa being a boy and a girl and just being friends. Yeah. That's Mitchell Kriegman, yeah. You're exposing kids to real stuff that they're going through and not watering it down. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that that was the Mitchell Kriegman, which I got to work with. I didn't work. My, I worked, I think, a couple of days or so on Clarissa. But then I worked with him on a PBS thing called Big Big World. He went on into doing puppety kind of stuff. He did, he did Bear for bear years. Bear in the Big Blue House and then Big Big World. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Mitch, Mitchell, you know, I, I, I applaud him. He did some, did some great children's stuff. So what are your memories of It's a Big, Big World? Because that was in the Hamptons. That was yeah. a total different location for you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Little Florida boy. Didn't, didn't know. It, it was a, a real learning experience to be in the Hamptons, Long Island. Boy, oh, boy. I drove past the Gray Gardens house and everything. Uh, it, it was it was exciting. I mean, uh, you know the area. I was down near there was like that little private airport in the Hamptons, and we were in this kind of odd wooded place with this uh, large, uh, you know, tin building that that was like a, a TV studio. So we were extremely isolated out there. Um, and it was all blue screen technology. So uh, it was, a, you know, it felt weirdly secret science stuff going on in Long Island. Cause it was, it was. Yeah. yeah. It was, uh, it was cool. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I was blessed to, I mean, on that one, I, I was, uh, me and my team, God bless them, uh, we were, uh, we were the, the little trolls of the forest. So that the, the, the thing of Big Big World, it's a, it's a wonderful animal-based uh, show, supposedly in the Amazon, and it's all living in this big tree. But most of it was computer generated, except for the parts where the puppets and the animals really touched. If they pick something up, that had to be real. So we made all the the, the branches that the animals sat on or climbed on, and you know all their furniture and their little foodstuffs and toys, and it was. And yet we were shooting on this big blue empty stage, so it was a. It was a very surreal, surreal deal. And that cast, holy cow, the talent. You oh, had, yeah. You had Peter Ling in that cute fur. God knows how long. Yeah, he did a phenomenal job. Never complained either. He was so good. And you had Tyler Bunch. And, Tyler. And yeah. Amy Garcia. And yep, James Godwin, all those guys, like yeah, Lagas, uh, Heather Ash. Trying to think who else? Who all else? Melissa yeah. Crichton, Melissa, Melissa. That's who I was trying to remember. Yes, Melissa, who's now, uh, you know what? She just turned out all the um, 
Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I know. I saw that. That was crazy. Isn't that great? Good job on her. Yeah, she's she's a powerhouse. So what did you enjoy about that show? Because it was so unique and its curriculum was so unique. But what did you like about it? Well, again, here we go with the let's make a world that everybody disappears down into for the time that you're watching. You know, I I, I so enjoyed that kind of uh, creating a world. Uh, with, you know, the, uh, what, what, what is his name? Renault? Uh, his name's going to slip me. The designer. He's gone on to do Despicable Me. Oh. And, uh, Chris, Chris Renaud. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So Chris, Chris's beautiful designs were, you know, a great uh, jumping off point for us to 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 sculpt and paint all those those uh, wonderful parts of the world. Uh, so I and I thought that I thought the the uh, the sensibility was very sweet. You know, Snook was so cool. You know. Trying to chill out the whole scene. I I enjoyed the peacefulness of that, you know, especially in this rat race world. Yeah, we it was such a unique show, and it was something that I didn't discover until I was a teenager. Uh huh. I just stumbled upon it one day. I'm like, PBS. Like, like, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. And I yeah. became so obsessed with. The the arc style and sort of the it, yeah. it was so and the one thing I want to talk to you about is how much shows like that and shows like Allegra's Window and shows like you know any of pretty much any of the stuff that you do is so helpful for those people with disabilities and people on the spectrum because it creates a world for them to escape and nothing ever changes. Uh, that's, that's, that's great to hear. I, they I, have uh, comfort in that. Yeah. And I don't know if that ever crossed your mind. Well, I mean, you know, that, that there's a, a hope that what you're feeling about a little world is, is, is doing that, but for you to confirm it, it's, it's always good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, that's, you know, that's the depth of what we can do, you know, there, I, I, I pray that there would be those things for the next generation, you know, what's the next generation's little rabbit hole world that they can go down. Uh, I, I'm not sure. Well, whatever it is, you better be involved in it. <laughs> okay, from your lips to I don't know whose ears, but yeah, we're, we're gonna put that out there. So, yeah, yeah, brother, brother wants to create some more fanciful worlds, please. So I gotta be honest. Who's who's the who's the bigger um, who's the bigger diva, Amanda Bynes or Olmec? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, Mac. He he doesn't get a joke. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I 
I know, but like your body of work is so amazing because it is. You go from all that stuff in the '90s, the big big world, back to the Fresh Beat band. What's it? Oh, the Fresh Beats. Yeah. Oh, I got another chill. What? What's it? This, this monkey esque, like wacky, zany, yeah. self aware world. I just yeah. I love the music on that show. Like. Scott yeah. Craft and the people that worked on it are so smart. Wonderful. Yeah. Talk about a quick guy. That guy got it. So tell me about that show because that is something that I'm not really, I mean, I watched the show, but tell me yeah. about where it was shot, like your day to day with that. Yeah. You know, uh, it was, uh, boy, you know, for those who don't really know, super bright, colored almost kind of like a cartoon live action cartoon in its way uh, uh, you know and a, and a, and almost a, a a small broadway show every week you know every week we had huge dance numbers and it was uh, big production numbers yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, incredible incredible dance choreographers and and uh, dance teams and what have you all wrapped around by, by, by around these uh, four incredible performers that were the Fresh Beat Band. Uh, that was, a, you know, Scott and them, they loved uh, live gags, which I, I, I adored that job for that. You know, I'm not just a puppet guy. I, I love props and gags. And uh, we... You know, there was a through line of pies in the face. In fact, just a memory was that every week at the end of the week, we would we would uh, pass a hat and you would uh, drop money in there. And at the end of the end of the Friday, they would draw a name. And uh, whoever won, won all that money, but they got a pie in the face. <laughs> I love it. Well, so as the, as the prop guys and all, we had to you know be there and provide the pies. And guess what? Uh, you know, and I'm there holding up the plastic so we don't ruin the set and this and that. You know, one out of four times they pie me in the face, well, which I loved it. Well, you're gonna love this. When I was in ninth grade, I told my bus drivers that were driving me to and from school every day, I said to them, you know, when when I'm in my senior year of high school, I want a pie in the face on my last day. Oh, really? <laughs> Not thinking they would remember that. <laughs> so four years go by, and they're like, we have something for you. <laughs> and then they pied me. Ah, man, <laughs> that's pretty special. I, I love that. I, I, you know, and I go back to you know the, all the pies in the face with uh, with Double Dare, and and uh, I we pulled probably a few off in Wienerville. I love a good pie in the face. I I am old enough to have uh, enjoyed some old uh, 
you know, silent movies and things like that when I was growing and up. And not even that, but like Shoopy Shows. Oh, yeah. I just love that gag. You, yeah, I think we still need that in life, right? Kids today need a pie in the face. When we meet up, I want a pie in the face. <laughs> oh, I thought you wanted a pie me in the face. Either way. Well, either way. <laughs> Sounds good, buddy. I, I think that that is a, a, a thing that should be uh, continued. Maybe, maybe you start carrying pie in the face stuff with you. Just bringing it out. <laughs> bringing it out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I love that. I love so that. what have you taken away from your journey in children's television? Because it is, all in, all in all, it is work. Mm-hmm. But what have you really, what, what surprised you about being in this world i would say you know i would say you know life's not life's not easy and uh, it gets bumpy and things like that and uh, you know in trying to to understand you know you, you can do some research and bible taoism and philosophies of all sorts and that that inference on child spirit i, I think is probably the thing that i'd like to keep a light on and, and and carry a torch for that that it, it maybe seems simple but uh, I think it has the importance of what what I want to focus life on well I'm honored to call you a friend and I appreciate your support of my work as well oh uh, you're killing it one of the things I want to just bring up here is that I doubt that you sit there and you wake up and you think about how can I help somebody with a disability within the shows that I'm working on. But I want to know, is there anything that you would like to know about my disability or my life to better help you if you ever come across a situation like that in a future project. Ah, man, that, uh, that's beautiful, beautiful line of thinking. Yeah. I I mean, what, yeah. What could I be focusing my, my thoughts on in terms of a person in that place? What, what is it? Is it the, absolute silliness that takes it or is it the i mean is it the combo of being touch you know touching and then silly or how to say well it's twofold if if you're working let's say if a disabled actor comes on Mm -hmm. the set and you're working with them and working with a prop what you what you should do or what you could do rather is meet with the actor and know their strengths because one one common misconception that we have as people with disabilities is that one size doesn't fit all just because one person can move their hands a certain way doesn't mean that this prop is going to work for the next person so tailor it 
to that person for one yeah second. right and as far as a viewer i think just keeping it light and keeping it fun but mm. keeping it keeping it light enough where it's not too jarring or it cannot it's wacky enough, but it's not too jarring because some people might get triggered by noise or sudden movement. It all depends on the person, right? And I, I, I can I can certainly see that, and and I you know I I think I could enjoy the place of that. I my mind goes to that that inchworm bit that that Sesame Street did, you know, just ever so ever so sweet, you know. Just little sweet inchworm moving around. Those kind of moments really uh, are in my wheelhouse. I love those kind of things. Although, you know, we'll do the big confetti bang balloon drop things too. Yeah. I mean, again, it all depends on the person. And if you have questions for the person, Mm. everybody has this fear of like, they're afraid to ask questions. They're afraid to offend because they have a question. Mm. Just ask. And if we don't want to tell you, we'll say something. Right. You know, you bring back a memory I, I, I hadn't visited in a while. When I was, uh, I think I might have been junior in high school, into my senior year. I worked for a, a special needs summer camp. For a couple of years and boy you're right about everybody's uh the variety of personalities and needs and what have you boy what 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 laughs and joy i had there though uh there was one guy eddie and boy he could pull a prank on me you know he was he was <laughs> a real trickster uh, but yeah what a variety I mean, personally, I've said this before, but it's really fitting to what you just said. It's like, I went to a school just for kids with disabilities for like four and a half years, five years. Mm-hmm. So until I went to public school, people with disabilities were all that I knew aside from like family and some friends. Right. So, kind of being in my own little bubble and watching all that stuff. If I if I didn't have my disability, what I go through my day to day, I wouldn't have all this time to consume the content that I'm talking to you about right now. Right, right, right. So, when I say, when sometimes people ask me, like, do you wish that you could walk? Do you wish that you could do this, that, or the other thing? Right. I'm like, no, because you gave me the opportunity to do all of this. Right. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, there's a saying that it takes a lot of gears to make the watch work and the gear that runs the second hand is not the same as the gear that runs the minute hand and 
blah 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 and uh yeah you're you you are one of the gears and it's a special gear and yeah you're uh you're 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 sort of a historian and, and a pontificator about an uh, an art form it's pretty deep so what what are you currently working on what's going on in uh you know i there's uh several little pokers i got in my irons in the fires uh that's a really mixed whatever um <laughs> i you know i i'm in florida now uh family's got me kind of down here and this and that and the other i uh my sister and i there there's a, a, a an artist collective that we're trying to build in a place called Sanford, Florida. That's one thing. And then I'm working on, uh, right now I'm doing some storyboarding of, a, of a, some work for a possible faith-based uh, puppet movie that uh, maybe happened in Pigeon Forge, the Dolly Parton capital of the world. Uh, uh, you know, some other, um, you know, working with, studio stuff for uh, a company that does a lot for universal. But uh, if you ever, if you ever find your way in Long Island again, I'd love to see you. I'd love to. Dude, you you know, we were talking off air a little bit about that. And I'm like, Hey man, I got, I I got a couple of reasons. Yeah. You'd be one more to go out to Long Island. Well, there's a big puppet festival going on, and I should have came up. It, there was a puppet fringe just in New York. I I should have jumped on the train and just went to that and come out there. I don't know. I I need to. I need to. I need to make a trip. You guys way. Do, have you? Do you know my stupid little puppet Otis the Tooting Otter? I don't, but I feel like I should. <laughs> yeah, he's a. He's a goofy little puppet that was born out of the pandemic. Uh, he's an otter puppet, and uh, he, he was he's born at a place called Wekaiva Springs, where there's a a little paddleboard place and a and a wine bar and a what have you. And uh, he came out. He's 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 I'm Otis, the tooting otter ambassador of nature. So he's a He's an otter character who's trying to travel around and understand what what happened with the pandemic and what people are people are all about. You know, he, he, uh, the other animals sent him to try and figure out what's going on. So, I I took him to New York once when the pandemic was going on. I, we walked around the empty streets of New York, but I feel like I might need to take him back out again. Do it, yeah. So, I, well, this conversation has been such a joy, and I hope that I, you know, brought some fun, but also gave people something to think about, too, some things to think about. Oh, man. I I, I think you're doing a great job. Uh, you're, you're touching my heart, uh, giving me giving me, you know, I, I, I just realized, you know, it's like, yeah, you are 
doing your job for the audience, but then you're also on another plane doing a job for the artist, which is me, and you're you're letting us know. So before we wrap up, do you have a website or Facebook or anything of the sort? You know, I'm I'm pretty lo-fi. I you you'll find me on Facebook. I I've got all those Instagrams, and uh, like I said, my little Otis characters sitting on the edge of the pool about to jump off on a TikTok, but I haven't, I, I'm really, I, me and technology, you're going to have to teach I'll me. Help I'll yeah, help you. Yeah, yeah, I knew you would be able to be the guy. <laughs> well, My hero. Yes! Alright, well, thank you so much. Thanks for hanging out with us at the DJ Bob Show. If you like this episode, drop us a line at djbobrunkle at gmail.com. That's DJ Bob, R-U-N-K-E-L at gmail.com. Let us know what you liked most about this episode and what other guests we should have on the DJ Bob show. Thanks so much again for hanging out with us. This is Nate Beagle, your humble announcer.